We were so happy before you came along. You can be again. I won't be hanging around getting in the way. That's who right you are. This is uh, Lydia. If you're looking for sympathy, you'll find it in the dictionary between shame and syphilis. Talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. To episode 199 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catcher podcast that doesn't know whether to be more worried about there being more balloons and kids at Harry's birthday party, Beth happily spreading fleas to every building in the street, the responsiveness of Ken's buttocks, or the fact that this week I agreed with Daniel. I'm Gavin. And I'm leaving you. <laughs> you fool. <laughs> Not forever, though. Oh. Oh. You're getting me back. Right. And if, you know. The kids and I are going away to a water park resort. Spring break, y'all. And in Wisconsin, in northern Wisconsin. Northern Wisconsin. Chilly Wisconsin. Yeah. Snowing today. Sally's like, all of my friends are going to Florida. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, you would not catch me dead in Florida right now. (laughs) Right. And um, Mara's family's going to Hawaii. And we're going to northern Wisconsin. (laughs) Partly because we didn't plan very well. The bakers are in Paris. Yeah. They hadn't Greece, I think. Mm-hmm. But their flight was cancelled, so they got a day in Paris. That's nice. Not a bad little way to break up the trip. Right, yeah. There were cities to be stuck in. Mm-hmm. Lots of Parisians, right enough, but, you know, right. well, what, what can you do about it? Nothing's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> and it's their city. You're the tourist, right? Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. Yeah. So, I'll just be chilling out, reading books, splashing a boot. Going down water slides. So what's all there? Just the water park? Is it, I take it it's indoor, right? Yes. You can't do it. Right. <laughs> Jesus. <coughs> yeah, no. My nipples would be like pegs out there. <clears throat> Actually, they are. Yeah, I was going to say. <clears throat> Just in here. You look like Joe Rogan over there. You can, <laughs> you can hang a wet duffel coat off of these things. <laughs> like, what's his face? With his man nipples, it wasn't Tom Holland, was it? You were you were quite infatuated with Tom Holland's it nipples. It was Tom Holland's in, nipples in Uncharted. They were they were massive, according to you. Yeah, they got an acting credit of their own. It was <laughs> it was quite impressive. Tom Holland's nipples as themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We uh, the kid. Well, we watched uh, the remake of Fright Night this week, and Oof. and David Tennant's nipples were in. In full effect, Stelly was taking cheeky wee <laughs> pictures with her, <laughs> with her phone <laughs> during multiple parts of that movie. Oh dear. She's like, I'll take that and that. <laughs> she likes her there. Thank you. David Tennant. Thank you. She does. She does. He's not an ugly man. He is not an ugly man. Anyway, we're talking about water parks. <laughs> So this is this is indoor. And then all of a sudden we were talking about men's nipples. This is a nipple-friendly indoor water park, right? Yes. Very good. Very good. Oh, 
So what am I going to do with myself? Clean the bathroom. Again? <laughs> the upstairs one. There's no fucking pleasing you. <laughs> uh, walk the dog a lot. I'll do oh, that he, anyway. He's going to be so devastated next week because Monday he will be in this house all by himself. Yeah. And that never happens anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I might see a bit working from home in the afternoon. <laughs> Just for the dog's Just sake. Just for the dog. Yeah. Yeah. Because we'll be back by Friday. So mm-hmm. Friday's fine. Yeah. Did we get? Any further information on the water park? <laughs> or are we just writing that off? You, you don't know anything more. It's a, you know, it's an indoor water park. It's, you know, and it's, uh, what is it called? The waters of Wakamua or something like that. Or Wakao, Waka, Waka Waka. <laughs> Yikes. And we'll be driving through the UP... You know, and stopping one night in the UP as well, because we've been living here for 10 years and Benny's never been to the UP, mm-hmm. so... It's snowing. Yeah, and it's snowing. One imagines that it's snowing heavier in the UP then. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Good stuff. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that splashy Cory news. I thought you were going to go with nipply. No. I think we've had quite, enough, we've had quite enough of them for one week. Boobalicious. <laughs> Going back to policing isn't the only career shift for Craig. Colson Smith has joined the cast of a new celebrity sporting show called The Games. Where oh, The Games. I remember The Games. Where he'll be running, swimming, diving, and doing lots of other athletic things against other fit celebrities. Yeah. So, he's he said in uh, in, um, Sofa Cinema Club this week, Something about, you know, he's always wanted to be a presenter as well as an actor. He wants to be so a he's presenter. presenting this? No, he's, he's participating. Oh. But he's hoping that this will open doors to someday be a presenter in something. He wants to, like, present at the Olympics. and Right, because Coronation Street stuff. isn't enough of a platform. Well, mm. you know, variety is the spice of life. Indeed. Yes. I remember a, a series of the games from, oh, if it's the same show from, like, a decade ago, mm-hmm. more than a decade ago, that had the guy from was it Boyzone or Westlife? Was it Shane? I can't remember. A tattooed one, which probably means less now than they did back then, but he was great at it. Mm-hmm. And they diddled him. And the final turn of the final event, mm-hmm. my memory tells me, probably incorrectly, that there was some, the guy that won it ended up straying out of his lane or something like that. Uh huh. So Shane, was it Shane? I think it was Shane. He didn't win it. That's my only memory of the games, but I remember it being quite good fun. Kind of sounds like the old Battle of the Network stars. It was like, uh, we are the champions, the celebrity, we are the champions. That's what how I remember it. Mm-hmm. There was diving and running and a wee bit more diving. And it was great stuff. Top TV. Quite like... A return of the Battle of the Network Stars, although it obviously couldn't be the Battle of the Network Stars anymore because nobody watches network television anymore. But yeah, just fun to see Mm -hmm. celebrities kind of splashing about and and, in tiny shorts running around. (laughs) That word we're searching for is anyway. Anyway. Angela Crow, who played Doreen Lostock back in the 60s on the show when the factory was still making raincoats instead of knickers. Wow, a raincoat factory. Mm. See, there's probably use for that in Manchester. 
Probably. Not that people don't wear knickers, Maria. <laughs> Stop it. Died this week. She was 86. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted that. That's okay. That's all right. And finally, the Grim Reaper was busy on the street as Maggie Fox, who played Ruth Oddsley on the show, has also died after an accident. She was also in Shameless, the UK one, the Foresight Saga, and was the co-founder of the Comedy Theatre Lip Service. Huh. So, devastating news all around. And that's yeah. current news. That's current news. A, a cheery current news. Yeah, well... And I'm bummed we out. were really devastated this Already morning about Taylor Hawkins', Taylor Hawkins death. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Worse than Kurt Cobain, I've decided. Mm. It's worse news than that. And I had tickets for Nirvana. I had tickets for the, the show in Glasgow, which I think was the, was the day before or the day after he died, which ended up becoming worth a bit of money, which I'd lost, clearly. Yeah, you'd think you would have saved something like that. I think I did. I think my mum threw it out. Probably. Because I was still staying at home at the time. Mm. Oh, well. Oh, well. And now we'll podcast for coffee. Just a reminder that we have, what, six days left of March? Is it? Four, five, six. A number less than seven. It's the 26th, so five. days five. left of March. And for the remainder of March, we'll be donating any coffee money that we get to Sunflower of Peace. Funds raised for Sunflower of Peace provide medical and humanitarian aid that will be used by paramedics and doctors in the areas that are affected by the violence ongoing in Ukraine. This means first aid backpacks, medicine, medical instruments, all that good stuff. And other means of survival that are saving hundreds of lives. Find out more at sunflowerofpeace.com. Like I said, we'll be matching contributions. I checked at work. They don't match for this. Ah, oh, boo. They only match for elderly and child charities, which this apparently doesn't come under. So we're matching it up to 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. If you want to donate, you can, in inverted commas, buy us a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. And now in YouTube's. See, this is why I'm leaving you. Because of this tune? <laughs> yes. Wish I'd known that earlier. <laughs> <clears throat> this, of course, is the section where we talk about what's new on our YouTube channel. Yes. This week, we broke through 300 subscribers. We want to break free. A mere three weeks after breaking through 200. Yeah. We're we now more than a third of the way to monetization and Woo-hoo! me quitting my job and realizing my dream of working through every form of employment that Homer Simpson's ever had. Let's see how that goes. Was Homer Simpson a podcaster? No. You're gonna work at a nuclear power plant. And all the other jobs that he had. Yeah. That's that's my dream. It's always been my dream, Helen. Has it? Don't piss on my dream. So we've got a regular stuff on there. We've got last week's podcast and my three favourite clips from uh, this week's episodes. Also, we've got the new regular item where I condense this week's episodes down to four minutes or fewer. Get through the whole week in under 12 minutes. The extra content this week is a quick reprise of the second most popular tweet of the year so far, 32 seconds of Fred making noises. If any of that tickles your fancy, head over to youtube.com slash the Talk of the Street podcast. Smash that subscribe button. And tease the nasal hairs off that notification bell. 
Or the nipple hairs. Ooh. Whichever you prefer. Enough with the nipples. And now this. <laughs> help it there's they're, they're right there can make them jiggle like rock the dwayne johnson in his dancing nipples yes although he doesn't need to use his hands welcome 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 <laughs> well if you could just reach over the table <laughs> to last year tonight with me john oliver just enough time to quickly talk about very partridge Did Alan Partridge make a cameo on the street? That's right. This was Addy investigating the lemon drop mystery and discovering a section of the Weatherfield Weathervane website called Local Matters Matter. Very Partridge, you said. I was Gavin and you had to take a poo and you apologised. <laughs> this was you taking credit for the Suez Canal blockage. And I thought it was because you were saying that your shit was so massive that it blocked the Suez Canal. But the joke that you were making was <laughs> the captain or the pilot of the ship uh-huh. had gone for a shit. And right, that was so what I happened there. It works both ways. Yeah. <laughs> so we suspected that my new Mac, which is over there, was stuck somewhere in Egypt. You confused the hell out of me by saying that the cinnamon crunch shrimp tail guy had got milk ducked. And it took the rest of the pre-preamble for Milkshake you to explain duck. what that was. And I was still none the wiser. Right, because you just called it milk duck instead of milkshake duck. Oh, will I ever live with the shame? No. <laughs> two years ago, you were interviewed about Corey by the New York Times. Yes. That was two years ago. My God. Fizzy's big fat secret Greek wedding does not generate the, the reaction from Tyrone that she was expecting. And it doesn't take long for the entire street to learn why. Ronnie worries that a genetic condition of his may be the reason for baby Glory's sickly start to life. I'm glad that we got into that fairly quickly. Yeah. Kathy's modern day poison pen scheme against Stephen Tracy is quickly uncovered by a pair of meddling kids. We have a new sickly baby now. All babies born in the street are sickly. Yeah. Really check the water. <laughs> Sean ropes Daisy into his pyramid scheme shenanigans and their collective glee at separating fools from their money may lose him his friends and his home. Todd is concerned that Billy and Paul still have feelings for each other, so use up yet more of his vacation time to put yet another spanner in those particular works. Kelly's unrelenting drive to become Imran and Toya's foster child gains pace and potentially approval from the social services. The stress from working as a drugs courier pushes Leanne to breaking point while a returning Natasha generates some accommodation issues. Returning Natasha. Ugh. She has stayed far, far away. Yeah. Aggie's missing a uniform. Amy's in the Matrix. Pieces of Nick's car keep falling off. Our moment of the week was Fizz and Tyrone discussing the relationship and our boring moment of the week was Bernie burning bacon. Because women can't cook, women can't LOL. Cook, well. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street. This time, last year. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Our first storyline this morning... Is our last? Nope. No? Is flying without wings. Oh. So not learning to fly. No. I've wrote that before. Got wings. Yeah. (sighs) Now I'm bummed out again. (laughs) Me too. All right. Power through. Power through, Broom. Power through. I put some effort into these notes. I'm going to read them. Yes. (laughs) On Monday. It's Harry's birthday. Whoop, whoop. 
Sarah changes her mind and lets a passing Adam come along to the party later. Right, because Harry asks. Harry gets a lot of lines this week. He's so cute. <laughs> Soft play. <laughs> okay, Chucky. And she asks to meet him for coffee later. He agrees and then gives Harry his birthday bumps, meaning pummeling the fuck out of Harry's back. Is that a thing over here? Giving somebody the birthday bumps? Is that like, you know, getting you, birthday spankings? You punch them in the back. No, you spank the butt for how many years they're alive. Oh no, you punch them in the back yeah. for however many years they've been alive. Yeah. I, I, I think ours is gentler, but maybe a little more creepy. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a balance, isn't it? It's a fine balance. Adam is cock-a-hoop and tells Daniel the good news later. Daniel is hesitant but offers his congratulations that it seems that mm-hmm. he and Sarah are going to be back on at least speaking terms. That's something. So Adam turns up to Nina's Rose later with a big old bunch of flowers which wilts immediately when Sarah announces that she's filed for divorce and there's no begging or Lydia confession that's going to change her mind. Adam is shocked. When Sarah goes to the counter... Adam quickly nabs her phone, sends a text from it, and then fucks off before Sarah gets back. So later, Sarah runs into Daniel, who asks how she got on with Adam. Sarah tells him about the divorce thing. Ooh, that's going to be a bit of a shock, says Daniel. (laughs) But both of them are surprised to learn that Adam didn't put up much of a fight and just left. And that's because Adam is at the mall waiting for Lydia. And as he waits, he hits record on his phone. Lydia comes down the escalator off pig's stitch, she says. Adam begs for a word, telling her that she holds all the cards here. Right. So Adam tells her about the divorce and tries to segue the conversation into getting Lydia to confess. But Lydia spots Adam's phone in his shirt pocket and she twigs what's going on because... Why doesn't he have it, like, down in his jacket? But, like, when I'm wearing a shirt, the the phone goes in the shirt pocket. And sometimes it must look like I'm walking about recording video because mm-hmm. the little lens is sticking up mm-hmm. out the, the pocket. But I don't look at somebody's phone and think, oh, they're recording me. But that's what Lydia thinks. Well, she's not wrong. No, she's not wrong. She grabs the phone and sings, I'm every woman, into the phone before deleting the recording. Nice try, prick, she says, and she stomps off. Adam getting waylaid by an enthusiastic barista wanting paid. I'll get you next time, Penelope Pit Stop, shouts Adam. Help! Shouts Lydia. Yeah, it's the 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 guy, you know, has been watching all of this. So mm-hmm. waylaying Adam to allow Lydia to get away is his act of chivalry for the day. Yeah, because I was surprised that they hadn't paid for their coffees up front. Mm-hmm. Sarah has decked out Speed Dial with a balloon arch. Mm. Daniel comes in looking for Adam for some reason, but Sarah says that he's off with his tart at the shopping mall. The stupid twat even texted her from Sarah's phone, she says. Sarah doesn't realise. And at this Sarah, point... Sarah, what, why, why would... He does... He, he texts from your phone. He does not say, hi, it's Adam, meet me, blah, blah, blah. Why do you... How thick is she? I was stunned by this, that she thought that that's what that I, meant. I mean, it's important for her to see the message so she can tell Daniel right. where Adam is. Right. But for her, I mean, the detail is apparently not noteworthy to either of them because Sarah now thinks that she's the brains of the operation because she's managed to discover this, this point of whatever. from her phone. And Daniel doesn't care because he's only worried about... Adam breaching his bail conditions right. but not one of them say isn't it weird that despite having his own phone he chooses to text Lydia from yours thus right. posing as you 
Right. That that sets no alarm bells ringing. No. Uh. <sighs> so anyway, Adam catches Lydia at the elevators to the car park. She threatens to call the cops on them, and then they struggle a little bit. Lydia's phone and credit cards going flying over the banisters uh, of the balcony down to the bit where they were having coffees a few minutes earlier. The barista, thankfully, is uninjured, and no one else seems to be in the mall anyway, so Lydia's yeah. belonging... They're safe. Happy to see that malls in the UK look just like malls in America. Dead. Empty. Right. Oddly though, they begin to have a frank conversation as Lydia recounts parts of the relationship. Adam cheated three times on her that she knew of, and she calls him a narcissist. He says normal people know how to let go after a fling, and she's stuck. It's time to move on. She reveals that he was her first true love and her first lover, and this seemed to please him that he was these things. But then he abandoned her. He rolls his eyes. We were kids, he says. She tells him that the last thing that he said to her was that if she had any sense, she'd get rid of it. No wonder I'm stuck, she says. Mm -hmm. So Adam claims to only remember bits and pieces of this. For all you knew, I could have had your baby, she says. But it sounds like she ended up getting an abortion because she remembers hymns being sung outside the clinic. Mm -hmm. Adam admits that he thought that she was lying to him to try and trap him. It broke her inside, she says. She dropped out of uni, she drifted, and only became someone just before she ran into him again. They could have been mates, but he was all Lydia who, and she was filed as being a bunny boiler. He says he gets it, and she says that he never will. Mm-hmm. So I'm... Um, like, is this it? Is this, this is the explanation? So Finn's not his. No. And that seems to be... I think it's confirmed later on when she mm-hmm. speaks to Sarah that Finn's not his. Right. But also he was never, he wasn't, he didn't sexually assault her. He didn't rape her, which I thought was where we were going to go with this, that mm-hmm. there was going to be some historic part of the relationship that he couldn't remember, he couldn't recall, and he was remembering it completely differently from how she was remembering it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was where, where we are going to go with it. And that's where the interest is going to come from it. But it just seems that, he kind of dumped her unceremoniously. When he thought she was pregnant. Right. Right. Which is a pretty shitty thing to do. Pretty shitty, but not... Well, they couldn't They couldn't make it so shitty that people will turn against Adam forever. Which I think would happen if he had sexually assaulted her. They couldn't, have, they couldn't keep Adam on the show if he had sexually assaulted someone. Well... And, and still be a beloved character... Is he beloved? I don't know. I think some people like him. I think they like he's him. Hot. I don't think he's beloved. Nah. I think they could have but, got away with it. I think it would have been interesting to his character because he obviously remembers it differently. Well, yeah, and it it does seem like and and I can see how him dumping her because he thought she was pregnant and you know, never checking in on her, never, you know, just completely turning his back on her while she goes to have the abortion and everything and talking about how ashamed her mother was and how she didn't want, she was worried the neighbor, somebody that they knew would see them going into the clinic and how cold the clinic was and how cold the doctor was just kind of, it sounds like one of those clinics where the beds are just lined up Mm -hmm. and the doctor goes from one to the next kind of sort of thing. And, you know, it sounds absolutely devastating. And I can imagine that that's a trauma that she would live with for the rest of her life. We we try to kind of say that 
abortion is no big deal and, mm-hmm. and end everything and that people make too much of it and it's just a surgery like any other surgery. But I don't think that's true for everyone who right. needs to go and get an abortion. And I think it's important to acknowledge that, mm-hmm. you know, so, so for me, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a letdown that this is what happened to her because she's right. She very well could have kept that baby right? and it could have been Finn you know, and he would never know because he never, he never, uh, who doesn't go and check in on the person, even if they're broken up and, and see if they had, if they were indeed pregnant, if she did indeed have the baby or did indeed quote unquote, get rid of it, mm-hmm. which is just a really shitty thing to say to anyone anyway. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I'm not, not denying at all that he was a bit of a shitbag, but I, More I, don't, than a bit. I, I don't know that it merits. And it begs a question. This action. And it begs the question how many how many other women were put in Lydia's situation by Dan by by Adam. And Daniel, let's face it. <laughs> probably so, mostly Daniel. You know. And I mean trauma trauma affects people differently. It does. It absolutely does. So Adam apologizes for it all. He blames the relationship that he had with his dad, and she seems to accept this. Tell Sarah that I didn't do the dirty on her, eh? says Adam, and now Lydia rolls her eyes as she's walking away and she turns round. Meanwhile, Daniel shows up at the coffee shop, but there's no sign of Adam or Lydia. They're still up in the mezzanine level, arguing. Lydia snaps that he's not sorry at all. He insists that he is. She slaps his face and pushes him away, and he loses his footing, tips over the balcony. Fucking hell, he shouts, and he lands on the coffee stand thing. Lydia looks down in horror. Daniel is overcome with confusion, assuming that if someone's fallen down, he must have something to do with it. And so incurious is he <laughs> that he doesn't think to look up to see Lydia rush off her phone and cards still on the floor behind Daniel. Well, no, doesn't doesn't she sneak down and get them? No, she, she sneaks p- down, but she goes straight back up again. She doesn't pick anything up because I watched it for that. Because her phone, what's left of her phone, and it looked like it was one of the phones that has the little wallet thing in it. Because uh-huh. it looked like a card came flying out of it. Right. Or it might have been a circuit board, I guess, but mm. it looked like it was a credit card. But no, she doesn't. She definitely doesn't pick them back up again. <laughs> and, and and nobody investigates that further, right? But Daniel does like put his hands out and say, "Look, nobody move. Did I do this? No, I didn't. Okay, let's go. Let's call the police." It's it's weird because like he tries to talk to Adam first before calling. Nine nine nine. I can see that. You're kind of you're not acting entirely. Well, maybe in the, in you're the correct not. Order of things when these things sort of happen. Yeah, I can see him. So I, I'd be on the go, Oh, Adam, and then going on the phone. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. It's speed dial. Sarah dingies a call from Daniel, and Daniel's at the hospital trying to explain to a nurse that Adam was pushed, and he knows who did it. The nurse couldn't give a shit. Explain <laughs> that they have to check that Adam hasn't suffered brain damage. On Wednesday, Ken and Daniel wait all night at the hospital for news. In the morning, Daniel has to check to make sure that Ken is still alive. He is. <laughs> a copper turns up to recap the plot with Daniel that Adam was pushed from the balcony by Lydia, but no one saw nothing and it happened in a CCTV blind spot. And I didn't think this at the time, but you thought that the cop was trying to insinuate that Adam had tried to off himself. Yes. The copper becomes the last person to ever mention that Adam has breached his bail conditions. Yes. Yeah. He, um, you know, Daniel's like, well, he went there to meet this woman who's been harassing him and stuff. And the, and the cop's like, well, so he was probably, 
in a dark mood. And Daniel's like, wait a minute. Dan- Dan- yeah. Daniel's like, no, he would never do that. And the audience says, nobody, nobody jumps backwards with a, with, <laughs> when they're trying to commit suicide. Really? That's a, uh... would you, would you go, whoop? Well, if I'm trying to kill go, myself, whoop. I don't suppose it matters. I mean, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not looking. It's, it's, I'm not looking for a soft landing here. It's easier to jump forwards than jump backwards. Why We're would you jump about backwards? Falling, it's very easy to fall. Right, but if you're intentionally falling, if you're making yourself fall, what would be the easier way to do it? Forwards or backwards? I, I honestly don't think it really matters. Nobody would intentionally turn their back. <laughs> so you, and so go, you say. Whoop. Like they're falling out of a boat. Like right. scuba diving out of a boat. Yeah. There's nobody would do that. Nobody would. No, no. Why would you? Why wouldn't you? Anyway. You're not thinking to yourself, well, I better do this properly. You probably are thinking, well, I better do this properly because you want to succeed. <laughs> this is this is just a bad conversation to have anyway. But anyway. <laughs> right. Back in the street, Sarah continues to ding calls from Daniel, because who wouldn't? <laughs> Harry's pissed that Adam missed his party. Why didn't Adam come to my party? Oh. <laughs> and yet, Oof, the, that very the, moving. the balloon the balloon arch is oh, still standing, yes, right. even though Alia was concerned that it would be all popped within the first 15 minutes of the party. Yeah. Finally, Ken and Daniel get news of Adam. He doesn't have any brain damage, but he does have a bleed behind his eye, so they're going to have to operate. Ken, he also has some broken ribs and a broken radius, mm-hmm. which you would never know later. No, no. Ken and Daniel interpret this as Adam is going to go blind, but they're allowed to see him before the operation. At Adam's bedside, Daniel confirms that he saw nothing, and Adam claims that he doesn't remember apart from the home truths that Lydia delivered. Lydia apparently has gone AWOL, says Daniel. So Adam asks if Sarah knows and Daniel lies and tells him that she's on her way. And Ken looks at Daniel as if to say, Oh, Daniel. Meanwhile, a furious Peter has tracked Sarah down to Nina's rolls and tells her about Adam's fall from the balcony at the shopping centre and he's in surgery right now, likely to go blind. Sarah remembers that this is where Adam was meeting Lydia, but snaps at Peter, telling him that Adam isn't her concern anymore. And I said, fuck you, Sarah. Get your ass to that hospital. Right. Just because you're just because you're mad at him, just because you think he cheated, it's still a human being that you were in love with just enough you, to marry him. When she when Sarah Platt files for divorce, <coughs> that's it. And she she even says something, I don't know if it's to Peter or if it's to somebody else later on, but she says something like, this always happens. He does something bad and then and then, so, and then he gets bonked on the head and just true. gets forgiven. Yeah, he should have brain damage between Faye bonking him on the head and the whole the falling off. At the factory, Carla thinks Sarah should be at the hospital. Sarah's confused. Why is everyone supposed to rush to his bedside when he's the one in the wrong? Carla knows <laughs> that Sarah cares and thinks Lydia is unhinged. Go talk to him, she says. Later, the surgeon meets with Daniel and Ken, letting them know that the operation was a complete success. They of ask course to see it him, was. But the surgeon says that his wife gets first dibs. But we see at his bedside that it's not his wife. It's Lydia. And Adam is scared that she's here to finish him off. But not like that. 
She's just there to see if he's okay. She didn't mean for him to fall. He remembers falling and he remembers being pushed and he remembers being pushed by her. She's not sorry, she says, and he understands why she did it. He treated her appallingly in the past. He's sorry and he means it this time. Why did it have to come to this, asks Lydia. And we get the sense that the writers are now just coasting the downward slope to resolution here, regardless yes. of anything that's happened up to now. Right. Lydia worries that she's going to lose Finn if he goes to the police. And then Sarah pokes her head in. Oh, fuck this for a game of soldiers, she says. And Lydia runs off and Sarah gives chase. So Sarah and Lydia sit down and have a chat and Lydia confesses it all. She was responsible for the harassment. She made up the affair. She broke into the flat. She cloned Adam's phone. She hacked into his Wi-Fi. She faked a passport. She bought a fin. She put Norad to DEFCON 5 or whichever <laughs> one is a bad one. And she did this to make sure that Adam didn't hurt Sarah. Sarah sure. Sarah asked Lydia to fetch her some water. So she does that and she comes back with Sarah's water and then explains to Sarah about Adam getting her up the duff and getting an abortion. And just as she's getting to this juicy bit, a cop shows up to arrest her. Sarah hasn't been listening to any of this. She's been too busy thinking up a quip for when Lydia's led off. If you're looking for sympathy, it's in the dictionary between shame and syphilis. It's also between psycho and urinary tract infection, if you're interested. (laughs) And and also, many other words between shame and... And sympathy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's not a line that Arnie's going to listen to and think. I wish I'd said that. Yeah. The syphilis was good because syphilis probably is like right after sympathy. Uh, as the, maybe not right after, but it's in yeah, probably on the same page. But I'm sure that they could have found another appropriate word between shame and sympathy. To it's got to be something slag. Yeah, slut. Mm-hmm. Kind of an extension to slag, but fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know. There we go. We just made it better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sarah goes to see Adam and, ex- and explains the conversation. She's so sorry for not believing Adam, but it's a matter for the police now. Why the police? asks Adam. Because she tried to kill you. And Adam looks furtive. Later, Sarah's gone to get some coffees, but when she gets back, she discovers that Adam has vanished. Right. Adam with broken ribs and a broken radius and just gotten out of surgery because hours after an eye operation and 24 hours after being pushed not by Daniel from a balcony Adam is at the police station Daniel is whining away with him Adam is there to explain that he wasn't pushed he fell and all of that other stuff about vandalism breaking and entering staging a break-in lying at the police libel child abandonment yeah Lydia probably didn't do any of that either and as for my bail conditions no one is allowed to mention that so all that business from the last few weeks has been sorted and Lydia is released. Truce, she says to Adam. Truce, says Adam. And Daniel is furious. He wants a woman punished. Good luck, Adam, she says. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Daniel. <laughs> he wants to punish a woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. The woman must be punished. Right, the woman must be punished. The woman, the woman's suffering must make a man feel better about himself and learn something. So Adam gets back to the hospital and crawls back into bed, ignoring all that internal bleeding that's been caused by his excursion to the police station. Right, or the broken ribs that he still has. Lydia has withdrawn her complaint against Adam, and no one can seem to find a copy of those pesky bail conditions that were breached. Everything has gone back to normal, except Adam has learned a valuable lesson. Yes. He was a cunt to Lydia and others when he right. was in his twenty. Well, you're my cunt now, says Sarah, but not like that. And that brings us on to this week's <laughs> Hard Debate. 
with Olivia storyline seemingly at its conclusion, which aspect of it do we think that Adam, hours out of anaesthesia after an eye operation and drugged out of his tits for his broken arm, had the toughest time explaining to the police? A. His bail breaches. B. Lydia's staged break-in. C. Lydia's vandalism. Or D. His own name and address. I think I chose his own name and address. Yes. The voting was thus. Lydia's vandalism, 2.5%. Oh. Lydia's staged break-in, 17.5%. His bail breaches, 20%. And romping home, his own name and address, with 68%. On Friday, Adam has been discharged from hospital because, sure, and gets home with Sarah. He's making a list now of everyone he's bonked so he can apologise to them. <laughs> he, fell, he fell from a balcony, landed on his head, but the back of his head, which... Let's remember, there was no blood underneath his head. No, all the blood was... I think there was some jam coming out of his ear. Was there jam coming out? Yes, there was out of his... And his eyes. And that's it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yet, you know, no no skull fractures. No. No. (laughs) Apparently, apparently because the awning broke his fall a little. Of the, uh, the coffee place, which presumably has lots of kettles and well no the coffee place was over to the side it was an awning of a different little wee shop oh, or something but still still he's walking right yeah and out of the hospital oh god he's making these lists of everyone that he's bonked so he can apologize to them and sarah doesn't think that adam needs to go through a late season cheers plot but adam insists <laughs> So Adam meets up with one of his exes. She was surprised to hear from him and is more surprised when he says that Sarah knows that they're meeting. Yeah, this is the woman... Thrupple much? This is the woman that Adam was bonking in the law office and Sarah walked in on. Remember that? And he insisted that they weren't bonking, that it was like a, a meeting. She's a fellow lawyer. Oh, she looks familiar, but I, yeah. I wasn't sure. <laughs> anyway. Because she's the most recent... He's going, he's going from most recent. So it's not just the ones in his 20s. It's the ones right now as well. Mm-hmm. So they go to the bistro and Adam apologises for using her. Because, yeah, that's right, because he used her to get back at Sarah, didn't he? And to make Sarah jealous. She thinks for a moment, then admits <laughs> to being upset and rejected over their tryst. Her self-esteem was crushed, she says, but buy me lunch might be a good start to making amends. Sure thing, says Sam Malone. I mean Adam. The woman has pushed the boat out on fillet steaks and 45 quid bottles of wine. Much better than she got when they were bonking. Lunch complete, she admits that she'd never given Adam a second thought and was just interested in a free lunch. She puts on her jacket, calls Adam a fucking loser and chuckles as she leaves, leaving Adam going, What? So Adam goes to the factory to see Sarah, feeling pretty humiliated at the 145 quid lunch. Mission accomplished, says Sarah, and Adam looks like one bad experience has put him off making amends and the two of them go to the bistro together. Right, yes. So all the, the women that he really did treat horribly, who were not adults at the time, necessarily, you know, they're in their early 20s, where... That's you an know, adult. Eh, where emotionally they may not have been adults. Yeah, I don't think we want to be saying that. Right. You know what I mean, though? I think you can be clearer. Yeah. Anyway, he's not meeting up with any of them because he's had one bad experience. Right, yeah. And it cost him a hundred dollars. With the most recent woman who obviously, you know, wasn't going to be torn up about this. Right. Yeah. She actually seemed quite surprised that he thought that she cared 
Right, yeah. Yeah, she... She, she seemed to kind of know what she was getting into. Yeah. Yeah, she was very Lizzo when he was like insinuating that he broke her heart. Right. Yeah, she was quite insistent that her heart was fine. Thank you very yes. much. <laughs> so that seems to be the end of that then. Yeah. Fare thee well, Lydia. Mm-hmm. Who got away with pushing somebody off a balcony, but also... Check. She faked a break in. She wasted police time. Right false stuff she broke into somebody's flat Mm -hmm. she you know hacked their phone and stuff we saw that kid once (laughs) (laughs) you know he breached his bail conditions i think yeah i think yeah i think well i think maybe because she dropped the charges it's a moot point oh yeah i can see it like you know if no one's going going to testify to anything then the case kind of falls to pieces but it's just there's there's so much paperwork to this now that it's just been nobody's nobody cares you know obviously the police didn't investigate very well the where the accident or where the fall happened because mm-hmm. nobody found lydia's phone no that's missing cards right <laughs> under that broken awning i'm assuming yeah this seemed to attract potholes like a magnet didn't it, it the storyline it did but on the plus side it's over <laughs> I still think they missed a trick with it. I had opportunities to opportunities to go in directions that I think would have been more interesting and would have maybe given the character someplace else to go. You know, he's complaining about being going through the same things over and over and over mm. again. And this would maybe have given a little uh a little change, but oh well. It oh didn't well. it kinda went for the the easiest possible exit and it seems and, then, and it seems that he has learned something from it and you know again, he doesn't the, the, seem the, as as arrogant as he was last last week when he was telling daniel that the thing he's good at is having sex with lots of different women but a woman's trauma is there to make a man realize something about himself right yes <sighs> and that's the only reason why her trauma is there right right yeah moving on then to our next storyline is saboteur steve oh I just wanted to say, I'm going to miss Lydia being in it, though. I thought she was a good character. Yeah. On Monday... We still have her brother. Yeah. And number one, maybe you can uh, stick a wig on every now and again and just right, remind yeah. us. <laughs> on Monday, number one, Steve is worried that they don't have enough sweet treats to entice Amy home because she's an aunt. She comes in... Or but a five-year-old. <laughs> she comes in but warns Steve and Tracy that she's not staying. She just needs to speak with Grandad. Tracy says that he's out and he won't be back till later. So Amy leaves. And she finally meets up with Ken and Nina's roles and makes a pitch for an inheritance. She's so on the ball. She's got spreadsheets. She's you must spreadsheet. have been so proud. I was very impressed. She's done a spreadsheet. She's <laughs> got a little presentation together. And she's thought of everything. Because when Ken says, well, these are your outgoings, but you know, you're going to have to live and you're going to have to enjoy yourself. And uh-huh. Amy points out that she's got a little bit here just for a little bit of... Uh-huh. They're not going to be drinking cocktails every... Every, every evening, but they're going to. There's some of their budget is put aside to go out and having fun. And Ken is super impressed. Yes. As if I was a dragon, I'm in. He right. says, or a shark, if you prefer. Yeah. Shark tank. And even Shona is impressed behind them. Mm-hmm. It was Shona, right, not Bernie. Yeah. Bernie's the other storyline. Back home, Steve is appalled at <coughs> Ken. He points out that the inheritance was there to get Amy onto the property ladder, not up Jacob's nose. 
Love is blind, says Steve, and he begs Ken to change his mind. And Ken looks like he's actually thinking about it. Why is he listening to Steve, who we all know is an idiot? Right. And not Amy, who is super sensible. And also, Amy has said this money will go to schooling, mm-hmm. which is an important thing for her to move up the property, blah, 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 later. It, I don't understand all of these people insisting that she needs to buy a house with this money and not get an education. Right. <laughs> Amy storms at the number one. Ken's holding on to the cash thanks to Steve. He's unapologetic and expects Amy to come home now. Fuck that, says Amy, and she declares that she's off to get herself a job. Next thing, Steve sees Amy working outside the kebab shop. I didn't like seeing Amy in a kebab shop outfit. Why not? She's sweeping fries. Yeah. Addy was kind enough to give her a couple of shifts. She tells him... uh, she tells Steve to fuck off and sweeps some chips at his right. feet. Right, and she points out that the only reason she's doing this is because you talked Granddad out of not giving me my money. Right. So Steve goes to see Dev and Addy, and at this point I'm like, Steve. Butt n- out. Knock it off, man. Addy describes Amy as a model employee and as manager. Dev backs him up. Steve points out that Amy's boyfriend is Jacob, the punk who sold drugs from the chippy. And this changes everything because Dev remembers his run in with the cops, thanks to Jacob. And I remember that as well because it was, was hilarious. hilarious. And now Dev is furious for uh, for Amy being hired by Addy. Back at number one, Amy is still pissed at Steve. And now she's lost her job and says that she'll see Tracy in the morning. And it turns out that Tracy has grown tired of Steve handling this and has given Amy a job so she can keep an eye on her and make sure that she's okay, which actually seems like an absolutely fair thing to do. Right, and Steve is mad about this. Right. Plus, keeping Amy's skin is only going to force Jacob back into dealing drugs. Right. Steve is outraged that Tracy has undermined him. Tracy could not give a solitary fuck one way or the other. Eat my balls, she says. Yes. On Wednesday, at number one, Tracy is confused by the 24-hour clock on her laptop because she's a woman, so Steve helps, but is angered to see how many shifts that she's given Amy. Tracy reminds Steve that his idea was shite, and this is a better way to keep an eye on her 18-year-old daughter. At the florist, Tracy explains the plan to Mary. Tell Amy that her relationship with Jacob is the road to hell, and she's missing out on student parties without actually telling her. In comes Amy, and Mary advises her not to get drunk and urinate in people's backyards. <laughs> and steal traffic codes. Later at the florist, Jacob shows up, and he seems to be enjoying hearing Mary's stories for the first time. And the two of them have a hoot together. Tracy is appalled by, at this treachery, but Mary insists that Jacob seems like a young Lionel Blair, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. That's as far as we get with that this week. Yes. Fucking Steve, man. Oh, what's he like? Why are, what is he like? Why are all of the fathers, except for Gary, just shit? <laughs> and Imran. Imran's it's, a good, it's, a good dad. At no point does he realise that not only is he ruining Amy's life, he's kind of ruining his relationship. Kind of. He's definitely ruin, ruining right, his relationship yeah. with his daughter by, by doing this, because she's just going to be absolutely made of resentment from now on. And what parent, what parent gets mad when their kid gets a job. It's not like she's not going to also be going to school. Why? No, no, I don't want you to have a job. I want you to come home and rely on me for the rest of your life. Who who does that? Mm -hmm. It's so ridiculous. Uh, He hates the Jacob thing so much, he's willing to destroy everything else that Amy's trying to build for herself. Right, which is ridiculous. 
Because this week, he's destroyed her uh, education. Yeah. And then destroys her, her, her working. Right. And then tries to put the kibosh on, essentially paying her. Mm-hmm. Because Tracy gives her a job, but oh, it's not as if the relationship was great at the start of the week, right? But he's, he's just, just made it making worse. it completely worse. And I hope they don't forget this. No, of course they will. Because I, I was starting to think this is all just played for comedy now. Uh-huh. Oh well, it uh, was nice to see Jacob and Mary together, though. They I know they were, it was quite cute. Jacob's Jacob's like, really grown on me i was i'm loving hearing your horny stories mary <laughs> <laughs> and mary seems to be delighted by yes this. yes it's someone new yeah so, exactly someone new to talk to right i kind of had that relationship with my uncle sammy because nobody else liked listening to his stories and i hadn't really heard them properly so i would sit entranced uh-huh. and he would just love to tell stories and everyone else has bored out their tits because they've heard it all before right and plus he never ever finished a story no we just ran out of time. <laughs> uh, anyway, shall we move on then? Yes, please. To our next storyline this morning is Flea Roasted Peanut. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm not sure. <laughs> on Wednesday, at the young team flat, Craig is furious at the women because he's run out of clean clothes except freshly ironed police shirts. Maybe wear a shirt then. You know, I see a way out of this. It's got lots of shirts ironed. Yeah, but they're police shirts. They've got like the insignia and stuff on them. It would be very weird to walk into the factory it, dressed like that. It would be like weird, that. but at least it wouldn't be stinking. Yeah. And, you know, and Emma's like... And, what, and do Emma's your like, laundry. Emma's like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you want me to put a wash on? And it's like, Emma, Emma it's not your job to do a grown man's washing. No. Especially when you're not even dating. Craig oh. hates working for Kirk. Unless Craig is the one who washes, who cleans the bathroom. <laughs> Craig hates working for Kirk, which has my sympathy. He feels like half a man, and so he bites Faye's head off when she suggests that they go shopping for clothes after work. Oh, I can't afford that, and I can look after myself. He really? Because tells- you can't do your own laundry, right. obviously. He tells Faye and Emma that he'll Febreze uh, a t-shirt from the washing basket, answering a question that no one was asking. <laughs> You must have heard somebody say, Oh, what are you what on earth are you going to do, Craig? At the factory, Beth has fleas. <laughs> and so has Peanut. Well, she, she thinks she has fleas. They found one flea on Peanut and now she's imagining she's riddled with them. She's getting the house fumigated or something and asks Craig to look after the dog. Craig agrees until Faye coughs, saying that she's allergic. Privately, Beth tells Faye that she thinks Craig is depressed about not being a copper anymore. Mm-hmm. So Faye gets back to the flat, jealous that Emma's off into town and depressed about Craig being a dick. Emma suggests showing him how much she loves him. So later, Faye is all dressed up. She's got Craig and her on a guest list for a club tonight. But Craig is not remotely interested in having fun and he leaves her standing there all dressed up. I'm sorry I'm not that kind of person who likes to do this sort of thing, he says. Right, yeah, because he's like, I have to work. It's a school night. I have to work in the morning. Mm -hmm. And she's like... Oh, throw a second in. Right, yeah. Or just, you know. Oh, first I lied for you about killing a man and now I'm lying to you about not being sick after all. Where does this end, Faye? Where does it end? Right. And also, you know, you're both young still. You'll be this fine. shouldn't this right. shouldn't knock you out going to a club and a movie and get dinner. No, you just go to work drunk the next morning. Right. It's fine. You eat, you go to the movie, you go to the club for a couple of hours, and then you go home and it's still like not even midnight. Mm-hmm. 
Later, Craig has a smile on his face because Peanut is in the flat. Faye brought it over, or her over, to cheer him up, but is having an allergic reaction to her, which Craig mistakes for crying. Don't you worry about me, says Faye, as long as you're fucking happy. Right, and she's taking an antihistamine, so she should be fine. Peanut's adorable. We don't get enough... All of a sudden, after Eccles died, it's like all the dogs on the street just disappeared. Because <laughs> we haven't really seen even Cerberus for a long time. Well, we haven't seen Evelyn, so... And we haven't seen Rufus. Rufus? Who the fuck's Rufus? Is it Rufus Steve's dog? <laughs> What's Steve's Rover. dog? Rover. Rover. You, you keep on I've calling him Rufus. <laughs> you have. Because I thought you were talking about Rufus Hound, the British comedian, and you weren't. <laughs> no. And presumably you still aren't. <laughs> no. Rufus. I think that was Dennis the Menace's dog. The American Dennis the Menace, not the British yeah, the Dennis British the Menace. Yeah, Dennis the Menace's dog was Nasher. It's spelled with a G. Of course. Later, as one does. Later, Emma comes back with Thai food to discover that there's a dog in a flat that no one asked her about. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Faye have had a massive row, says Craig. <laughs> yeah, but about that dog, says Emma. <laughs> On Friday, Faye is up and looking sickly. Craig wants to have an honest talk with her, but Faye is feeling rough and so runs away to a room to avoid the conversation. In comes Emma, who reminds Craig to speak with Faye and he promises to speak to her tonight. Why not? Just, okay, you're feeling rough. Well, I will come back to bed with you and we can have this talk mm-hmm. in bed. Right. Nice and cosy. As I dump we, you. We, but we know he's not going to dump her. She thinks he's going to dump her, but she, they, I would think it would put her mind at ease if he's like, no, let's have a cuddle and we'll talk in bed. That would, that would make you think, oh, he's not going to dump me. This talk is about something else. Oh, maybe. Faye is in Nina's roles with Tim's mum and she confides in her grand that she thinks that she might be up the duff again. Tim's mum thinks this might be the thing to bring her and Craig together. Yeah, and establish that some, always works. Right, and establish some <laughs> chemistry at last. Faye isn't sure, so Tim's mum suggests taking a pregnancy test. I would never have thought of that, says Faye. Faye goes home and does the test which confirms that she has Craig's bun in her oven and Craig was going to split up with me this morning as well. Faye swears Tim's mum to secrecy. Mm -hmm. Later, Emma meets Faye and assumes that Craig's already spoken to her and lets slip that Craig resents her since he left the police. So Faye correctly thinks that Craig thinks that she's ruined his life and he'd tell Peanut what he thinks before he'd tell her. He has chemistry with Peanut, says Emma. (laughs) Which he does. He does. God, he loves that dog. Right. <laughs> Even just the mention of her name in the factory. He lights face up. Lights up. Yeah. yeah. So cute. Yeah. Emma's right in this fictitious uh, <laughs> part of the episode. First she says that he has chemistry with his dog. Faye finds Craig crying in his empty pint at the Rovers. She tells him that she knows how he's feeling. He admits to feeling resentful at how much being a cop meant to him. Faye apologises, tells him that he can tell her anything, just like she can tell him anything, and then tells him that she's pregnant with his kid. Fuck me ragged, says Craig. I want you, and I want the baby. And maybe even I can get my job back with the police. Right, because it was just a leave of absence. Right. So excited is he about the baby news that within 30 seconds of it, he's talking about getting his job back. Right, well, because they'll need the money. So despite resenting Faye and not having any chemistry with her, he tells her that he loves her and he wants a baby and he's going to withdraw his resignation and he's determined to be the best dodgy copper that he can be. Being good isn't black and white, he says. (laughs) Back at the flat. Yeah, that's what you want to hear a cop say. Right. 
Back at the flat, Fame oh, Craig God. agree to keep the baby a secret. Not all secrets are bad, he says. Again, another great thing for a cop to say. Mm. Really going for the whole justifying being a liar thing. <laughs> Emma comes in and is pleased to see them proper back together again. And then she goes off to see a friend that she accidentally calls him. And she covers this up, saying that she meant them. Faye and Craig share a, you guys, look. Mm-hmm. And that's as far as we get with that this week. <sighs> what is in the water at the street? Honestly. Every time you turn around, somebody's up the duff. Yep. This will I mean, be we just, we just, Faye's second pregnancy. Right, yes. But she reminds everybody when she says <laughs> right. to her grand, you know. I'm pregnant again. Right. <laughs> but this time she's going to keep it. Mm-hmm. No, she kept it. Well, she had it the first time. Well, yeah, but she, she gave it up for adoption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As we remember when she was explaining that all to Abby, like a year ago or something. Recently, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> God. It was nice to see Peanut. <laughs> <laughs> it was. And it was nice to see Tim's mom being used in more than one storyline this week. Mm-hmm. Why, why they insist upon keeping this couple together, though? Yeah, let, let's give them a baby. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Well, let's remember, for a while, Amy was going to keep her baby. And we were like, oh, God. Oh, yeah, it wasn't. She and Tyler are going to be together forever. I don't think I was as... Uh... No, because at least Tyler and Amy had chemistry. And I feel bad. I feel bad for hating this coupling so much. But Do it, you? Because we say it all the time. I know. And I feel bad about it because we say it all the time. It's but true. Though. It's true. And we're not the only ones who say it. No. <laughs> I, just, I really don't know. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know what the thinking is to, to suggest that They're them just, becoming a family is going to be... They are such a boring couple. <sighs> They're very boring. Do you know, but do you know what? I actually found them a little bit better this week than I felt they've been previously. Not by much. No. And not. But the enough. honesty about the resentment was was something. Right. But. <sighs> and I'm glad he's going back to being a copper because. Just, yeah, the, the him working, working in the factory, in the factory thing is just. Right. No. I, I guess it's not really helped by the fact that Faye's been quite an unlikable character for the last, last oh, she's while. she's dreadful. <laughs> she's worse than Sarah. Mm-hmm. Oi. <laughs> the way that she's been speaking to Emma and the, the, the whole dead Ted thing hasn't been handled brilliantly and she just her continual sniping at Emma. Right. And she wasn't great even before dead Ted because she was all mopey and miserable and stuff for having to spend some time in prison for knocking somebody over the head and almost killing them. Right. That's been a busy old year for Faye. Yeah. You know, nobody else, nobody likes being in prison, but nobody else on the, <laughs> but nobody else in they the show. They do say that about prison. It gets very bad reviews on TripAdvisor. <laughs> but you know, nobody else in the show was such a misery guts about it. You know, they don't like being there, but they're not moaning about it all the time. God, and when the... they get out, they don't freak out and saying, I'm never going there again. So even if I do something bad. Yeah. How how bad was it? I'm not sure. Was it that if they bad? Had, if, they had, if they had called an ambulance right then and there, they'd called the doctor right then and there for Ted. 
Nobody would have thought. No. Exactly. Anything. Uh, oh, well. <clears throat> Let's move on to our next storyline this morning. Just very quickly, it's Tim's mum about the house. See, that's a good theme <laughs> tune that you've written. <laughs> and that's shit. <laughs> I can take criticism. I know, that's you why. You write your fucking theme tune then. <laughs> On Friday. On Friday, Steve is hanging out with Tim, who's drinking his green drink. Tim announces that his nookie ban is lifted effective from tomorrow. No wanking even. Steve thinks that Tracy is too demanding for that kind of shite. Tim is fit to pop, but Sally won't be back for a few days yet. Steve announces that there isn't a room in number one that would survive a black light test. But <laughs> that's, Sally, that's comforting. Poor Ken. God, it's everywhere. <clears throat> but oh. Sally... It's on Eccles, ashes and everything. Ah! Ah! But Sally gets home early and she and Tim embrace. Tim explains that his green light starts tomorrow. They're both a bit hot under the collar. Yeah, because Sally thought it started today. That's right. why she rushed home. Tim's been having soft focused dreams and wants to go now. But Sally insists that they wait. Tim is worried about spending his wad quickly if they have to wait any longer. But makes do with sniffing Sally's handbag. Exactly <laughs> like that. Exactly. And her coat. So Tim comes down the stairs of Discovery, playing sex ball on his phone and in his undies. That was He's hilarious. primed and ready to go. Sally protests. He says it's tomorrow in Australia and he can't wait to go down under. Aye. Exactly like that. They start smooching when Tim's mum comes in. <gasps> Sally warning Tim not to turn around. Apparently there's a shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's <laughs> <laughs> a knife. Ah. So they all share a number of flight-based and Australia-based euphemisms until Tim's mum insists that Tim keeps his penis out of Sally's vagina until tomorrow and then they can shag each other until it's dripping from the big light. So Tim nips off for a wank. And that's the end of that storyline for this week. I will never not love Sally and Tim being horny for one another. It's one of my favorite things. I was surprised at how far they went with it. <laughs> because they're still, we're operating in euphemism, right? Right. And innuendo. And if you don't get the innuendo, then you don't know what they're talking about. So right. they can say shrimp on the barbie and you know that and Tim, down Tim's under. either got an erection or his penis has somehow fallen out of his boxer shorts. Right. Something like that has happened, right? Right. But if you don't understand that, then you right. don't get it. So you're not offended by it in right. any way, right? But or traumatised right. if you're like a little kid. <laughs> right. But it did seem to be going quite near to the line, I felt. It was a li little bit carry on Corey uh -huh. with the, the euphemisms, but it was hilarious. Yeah. It was really funny. And it was funny. delightful. I, uh, I was a guest on another podcast Yes, you are. This week, which will that was be exciting. which will be released in April, it's the podcast "Boobies and Newbies," which is a. Uh, Do they need a theme tune? <laughs> <laughs> which is a romance novel review 
podcast. And uh, the Kelly, who is the host of the show, had never heard of Coronation Street and was quite excited to, to watch it because she already has the Brit box because she watches Midsummer Murders with her parents. Oh, she does? As everyone does. <laughs> yeah, that's a parents thing, definitely. And um, and we were and we were talking about it, and I was I was telling her about the things that I like about the show. Yep. And yeah, you know, I said to her, and, and she agreed that you know one of the great things about it, one of the reasons why she's quite keen to start watching is you know I said to her you know you have couples who are not teenagers or in their twenties you know it's not just young beautiful people not that Sally and Tim aren't beautiful but in happy sexual healthy relationships and that's something that i really enjoy about the show so i the fact that that they've given us some more of that this week it's not just for youngsters right and it's show you know it's showing healthy sexual relationships right between a married couple and it's not the whole wah wah oh when you get married that's the end of your sex life yuck 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 sort right. of thing right so this this absolutely delighted me and the look of horror on tim's mom's face <laughs> after she's just had this experience with her granddaughter being like the only one who knows that she's pregnant yeah. and having to keep that secret if you want a little uh, primer on chemistry mm-hmm. have a look at tim's face when he realizes that sally's come home oh god yes god yes it was it was like if you want a primer on chemistry when Sally walks into the room after Tim's operation and his face lit up. Yep. You know, you don't. It's the way Craig's face lit up when he saw Peanut. Yep. <laughs> his face has never looked like that with Faye. No. So when, Come so when, on. Right, and I know we're going back to the story like yeah. we just finished talking about, but, but when he says things like, you're the only thing that matters to me, you're like, no, she's not. <laughs> of course she's not. Why, why are you even saying that? Right. But when Tim says it to Sally, you just know that the way that Tim looks at Sally, Sally's his entire world. But again, Tim wouldn't say it like that. No. Because it's like, was it last year I said something about, you know, people who are one another's soulmates soulmates never say you're my soulmate. Right. Because they don't have to. Right. And... Tim and Sally will never have to say that to one another because they just they just know. Because it's obvious. It's so delightful. Right. Ah, and it's so good to have them on the street because I guess we we kind of have that with Carla and Peter at this point, but we never get to see Carla and Peter together. No. Ever. And Gary and Maria are now kind of at this point. Oh yeah, I've got a little bit to say about that. Yeah. This week. Which is delightful that, mm-hmm. that they are that they've grown into i'm so glad he and sarah aren't together anymore because i cannot imagine it ever being believable them you know being so proud of one another and supporting one another mm-hmm. the way that maria and gary do so we're talking about the previous story and we're talking about the next story yeah so i guess we might as well just move on to that story <laughs> yeah i mean i don't think no, it's a, the last story there's only a few uh a, a few scenes in that tim's mom about the house anyway but i think when when you think of all the stupidity that Tim can get up to, you know, he's mm-hmm. got that side of him with Steve. Right, the goofy side. That we still get to see. Right. And them having them having the little Conversation. conversations about these sort of things that maybe Sally would be appalled that they're talking about. Uh-huh. But, but the side that he has with Sally is 
just it feels so permanent mm-hmm. and indestructible and delightful. And delightful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, then moving on to our final storyline this one. I've kind of smooshed two of them together, I had to split them out. So we're going to jump from one to the other as we go through it. Well, they're kind of all the same I thing. Think I, well, I didn't want to. They kind of go their separate paths and then they come back again. So hmm. I think this is going to work. It's trust, all got trust Mar- me. It's all got Maria in it. Right. So. Gary's creamy chicken soup. <laughs> On Monday. Are we still calling it that? Yeah. I just wanted to say it one more time. <laughs> Loris P.I. shows up at the Rose Gold flat. He has some awkward questions for Gary, asking them why Gary gave people the passports back when he was shutting down the... Uh, loan shark operation and why he never collected any money back from people also the phone number that Gary provided was shite Gary promises to look into it which pleases Laura as she wants to give the money to Kelly let's remember and later Maria comes in with some exciting if unbelievable news for Kelly Maria has put her forward for Manchester's Homeless Barber of the Year competition (laughs) and she's picked up a nomination Laura looks on wistfully as Maria and Kelly celebrate so Laura heads to the rovers and starts popping her painkillers, washing them down with wine. Bernie is there and has a good eye for painkillers, knowing that they're not paracetamol. Uh, Laura flashes her morphine-based meds and Bernie's impressed and a little appalled as Laura gets wired into the vino. If it finishes her off, no big loss. Yeah. Morphine on its own is enough, isn't it? Hmm. Bernie tries to be... From past a- experience. Bernie tries to be a good friend and plies Laura with water that she just ignores. Laura likes men with chunky necks and teeth. When Bernie asks if there's anything going on with her and Gary, Laura admits that Maria is a better mother and friend to Kelly than she would ever be. Give it time, says Bernie. Yeah, I've not got a lot of that left, says Laura. Yikes, just, says Bernie. Just to clarify, not chunky teeth. <laughs> chunky neck and teeth. All right, right. Ch- chunky necks neck, and good teeth. Yeah. Like turkey teeth. That, Do people go to Turkey to get their teeth fixed? I have no idea. No idea. <laughs> well, you wouldn't. Oxford comma. That's the use for the Oxford comma. Yes. Yeah. Gary sees Laura trying to make her way home. She's obviously pushed out of her tits because she's staggering around and she's slurring her speech and she's walking in the wrong direction. Gary's concerned, puts an arm around her and leads her in the right direction now, which leads Laura to announce that if only he had a thicker neck and better teeth, she'd fuck him into next week. <laughs> Unlucky me, says Gary. And yet Adam never had, well, Adam has good teeth, but he doesn't have a thick neck. Back up. She tried to shag Adam, remember? Did she? Yeah. When Adam was trying to solve who. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Back at the flat, Kelly comes home and is worried that her mum is looking particularly shite. Laura blames it on the meds and Gary backs her up. So Laura gives Gary a grateful nod. Meanwhile, when this is going on, Phil with two L's meets Maria in the bistro. He has some sensitive information that's going to blow the election wide open and he hands Maria a portfolio that seems to claim that Weatherfield Council knew about the dangers of dangers of pollution years ago but sat on the report. I knew it, says Maria. Worse, it's got Bernard Thickglass's signature all over it and he's due to arrive here within the hour for a press meeting because he doesn't have any other offices and it can't be conducted over the phone because of the plot. I'll be back, says Kirk, who was dressed up as a bee. Yes. Sure enough, Bernard Thick Glasses has been interviewed by Chris, a journalist. Maria hands over the report and Bernard signed about the pollution thing thanks to a whistleblower. Care to comment? Asks Chris. Eat my balls, says Bernard, and he stomps off. <laughs> Swish, says Maria, and Kirk, still in his bee costume, says something about pesto. Maria is thrilled with Phil with two L's calling him a superstar and the article is going online now before the polls open tomorrow. 
Then Bern with thick glasses comes back in for reasons never fully explained, and he sees Phil with two L's. You're Phil with two L's, says Bern with thick glasses. He forgot his bag. From he had planning. to come back to get his bag. You're filled with two L's, says Bernard Thick Glasses. From planning, aren't you? Isn't this all a bit John le Carre, he says. And Phil with two L's turns his back and shits a brick. It's okay, says Maria. It wasn't Phil with two L's who grasped you up. It was Monica with nine C's and a K. <laughs> Belter, says Phil with two L's. And it sounds like Phil and Fizz have had an offer accepted on the house that they yeah. kind of just snuck into the conversation. Right, there. yes. Yeah, Fizz says that's why they're celebrating. Mm-hmm. Which should have been enough for Bernard with two Bs. Mm -hmm. Bernard. (laughs) On Wednesday at the Rose Gold Flat, Kelly's worried about Laura, who still looks shit. Kelly begs Maria to speak some sense to her and leaves just as uh, Maria calls Aggie and asks her to come round to look at Laura. So Aggie tells Laura to stay off the booze in future, and when she goes, Laura wants to get wired into a beer for breakfast. Maria is appalled. What would Kelly think if she found out? Laura's dying, and Kelly doesn't need her now that she has Maria, says Laura. Maria insists that Kelly thinks of Oliver and wants to make the most of the time that they have left together. In Nina's roles, Kelly meets Aggie, and Kelly tells Aggie that she's worried that her mum shouldn't start reading any long books or eating any green bananas, if you know what I mean. Aggie says that there's life in the old dog yet, just so long as she stays off the booze from now on. And Kelly realises that the problem that her mum was having was a hangover, and she storms off. Yes, and and Aggie kind of swallows. Clutches her collar a little yep. bit. So Kelly bursts back into the flat, reveals that she knows Laura got uh, bluttered yesterday. Laura tries to explain, but Kelly has none of it, and despite Gary's protests, she tells Laura to leave. Gary pulls Kelly away to calm down outside. So he takes her to Nina's roles and explains that Laura's just letting off some steam. Kelly thinks Laura wasted her life, and now she's wasting her death. That was a good line. It was a good line. Gary says that she should make more of this time together with her mother. She'll cherish it once Laura's dead, just like your dad. <laughs> Ke- Kelly returns to the flat <laughs> and tells Laura that Gary has talked around and she can stay after all. She goes off to a room which allows Laura to be emotional and to tell Gary that once she's gone, she'd like him to be Kelly's official guardian. I'll never let her down, he says. And he looks really quite touched about this. Yes, he does. Yes, yes, he does. It's- Kelly really has no say on whether... No, none whatsoever. <laughs> no. Nobody points this out to her. No. <laughs> but oh well. Meanwhile, it's polling day and Fizz is sure Maria is going to win and Maria is very appreciative of Phil with two L's and all his underhanded work that he's done for her. Let's hope it was worth it, he says with a sad smile. And later he reveals to Maria that he's been called up in front of his bosses and he's been advised to have a union rep with him, which means that they know that he's a whistleblower. Phil with two L's knows that he did the right thing, but Maria is worried that he's getting into trouble for her. So Nina's roles, Maria... Oh, and then we discover that Kirk has received a cease and desist letter from Wethy County and he can't be Buzzy the Bee anymore. Mm-hmm. Which is equally as tragic as Phil with two L's possibly losing his job. So very tragic. <laughs> so Nina's roles, Maria's there with Phil and Kirk. <coughs> and Kirk. And... So Nina rolls, Maria's there with Phil and Kirk. She's reading Weather Gazette online who seem to be going against election rules by reporting on the election as it's happening. The polls have got Bernard Thick Glasses heading to victory despite the suppressed report. She's sorry that this has all been for nothing. And later Maria's in the Rovers, considering that she's going to lose. Phil with two L's and Kirk come in and Phil has some great news for her. Her, 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 her campaign has worked. Huh? says Maria. 
Planning has been rescinded on the bypass and the Wedding County training ground is going somewhere else now. It's all online and has been sorted out super fast. Mm-hmm. So Maria has got what she wanted without the hassle of being elected it into the public like office. It seems like Wedding County had a backup plan all along. Right. That already had permission. Because mm-hmm. that's how that works. So Gary and Maria catch up on the rovers to blend their stories together. Maria is happier than she expected to be about the whole Kelly Guardian thing. And then she has some good news for Gary too. And she tells him about Weather County's training ground being moved to an old brickworks. Gary shits a brickworks in his pants. (laughs) Maria twigs. This is where you buried Rick. Yep, says Gary. Of all all the brickworks in all the world, it had to be this one. At this point. I was like, maybe I'm getting old and don't pay as much attention as I used to. But I didn't see this coming. I didn't think the training ground thing that we've been going on, you know, for the past few mm-hmm. weeks was going to have anything to do with the Rick the Chin storyline. Uh-huh. But when that happened, I was like... Yeah, it was delightful because it's not something that they even hinted at. No, it's like, oh my God. I don't know that it's worth the three-year build-up, but this is a great payoff. Yeah. And Gary's face, (laughs) when he realises, was just superb. Yeah. So on Friday, Gary comes home and explains to Maria that the site is operational, but it looks like they haven't started working. Then Laura gets up wondering why everyone is up so early and whispering to each other. So Gary and Maria pretend that Laura's dreaming, and so Laura goes back to her bed. (laughs) In her constellation (laughs) jammies. (laughs) That she borrowed from Sam. <laughs> and the furniture thing. They're the same size. Maria finds Gary packing up black bags and a shovel and he looks like he has a pair of wire snips for some reason as well. Right, because he has to break into the fence. Oh, of course. <laughs> What's he going to do at the body with those wire snips? No, he's breaking, right. And he's all in black even though he's going to be going in in broad, broad daylight. daylight. Gary has a mate <laughs> who can dump the corpse at sea. What kind of mates do you have, asks Maria. <laughs> Then Kirk shows up wanting to go to the town hall for the election results, so Maria goes off to do that. The PI is in the rose gold flat to see Laura. Kelly is appalled and wants nothing to do with it and leaves. The PI doesn't even shake his hand. Has drawn a blank. This is too suspicious, he says, and he would stake his reputation on it that Rick is dead. Meanwhile, Gary is off in his van to the training ground construction site, which is already secured with fences and stuff. Back home, Laura cries at the thought and reckons that the PI has got it wrong, but he insists that the police think that Rick is dead too. And not only that, they've got a pretty good idea who did it. They don't have any proof, but they reckon it's Gary. Fuck me, says Laura. And the PI says, okay, and she says, not like that. (coughs) She reveals that she's wearing her not like that (laughs) t-shirt. So Gary tries to climb the fence to get into the construction site. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's interrupted by an exposition-friendly security guard who explains that this is private property, the foundations are being dug right now, and the place is under 24-hour surveillance. There's no way to get in without being spotted. Got it? Yeah. Got it, says Gary. And Gary's hilarious. He's like, what are any of the players? <laughs> yeah. Are the, the players like, on this construction site? T- <laughs> is there a game going on? Are they playing Bayern Munich right now? <laughs> oh... Bayern Munich. We had uh, they had a sports day on Thursday. Bayern at, Munich did no at Stelly's school, and oh. she wore her Bayern Munich kit and tied her Bayern Munich flag around her neck and had her Bayern Munich stocking cap on. Uh oh, that makes Stelly a 
full kit wanker, I'm afraid. <laughs> you have to have words with her. It's fine. It's for Bayern Munich. <sighs> and nobody else, nobody else in that school was, was going to be wearing Bayern Munich kit. I don't think anybody... That's not my complaint about it. So nobody cared. Nobody would care about her being a full kit wanker because it's America. Yeah, America's full of full kit wankers. <laughs> they don't tell you that before you move. <laughs> Gary gets back in the street and finds out from Kirk that Maria won the election after all. What? Maria learns from Gary that there's no way to move the body, so Gary plans to hand himself in and get a reduced sentence because he's going to admit to a murder that he did three years ago. Mm-hmm. They can't talk about it anymore because journalist Chris shows up wanting an interview with a new councillor. Gary tells Maria how proud he is of her yeah. and then goes to speak with Laura, who wants to see him. Which is so nice. I thought that was really touching. Yeah. Who would, have, who would have thought that they would be like one of our favourite couples? And it just feels like it's happened... Organically. ...over the last few weeks. Because there was a time when I didn't think they did work. Yeah. It's, but, it's something that's been very gradual where, you know, Gary has softened... And he's not because remember there was a time when Gary kind of rolled his eyes at all of the stuff Maria was doing and it was taking time away from from him. Right. Who should be the number one most important thing in her life. I think Kelly has had a lot to do with both of them kind of softening and, and, and coming together. There's that, but I also think that it's been very helpful that Maria has just said, Fuck it, I'm in. Mm-hmm. So no matter what Gary's done, right. she believes him that it's self-defense and it's right. not like part feeling right but she's on his side mm-hmm. and she's kind of committed to being on his side mm-hmm. throughout which gives him somebody to talk to about the whole thing right but it's okay. it's brought them very very close together mm-hmm. and in doing so works brilliantly yes i think they're, absolutely. A, they're a terrific couple they really are and so at this point i'm really disappointed that they're becoming this terrific couple and it's all going to be destroyed because Gary's about to get go to the police and confess and, mm-hmm. and whatever. Well, I think that that just tugs at the heartstrings a little bit more, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So Gary gets home and Laura explains what the PI told her. Maybe there's a reason why Gary is so good with Kelly. Maybe it's guilt. Gary sees where this is going and tries to deflect, but Laura tells him what the police think. They think he did it. He was the last person to have any sort of dealings with Rick. And uh, Gary says there is no Rick and no money and the police have nothing. But Laura says that she's dying and she needs closure if she, closure if she can't get the money. Right. And she promises to use every second that she has left to get the truth out of him. She can tell that he knows something. She sees it in his eyes. And so he confesses. Yeah. I killed him. Laura is stunned. She calls Gary twisted, sick, evil. You want to hear Marana story, Gary says. <laughs> <coughs> Laura knew what Rick was capable of, and it was always going to end this way for him, but he wanted better for Kelly. So do I, says Gary, and Laura laughs, calling him worse than Rick. She calls him a night creeper for warming his way into their lives, but he wanted to make things better and undo some of the damage. Laura wants to make sure Gary can do no more harm. She's off to tell the police, unless Gary maybe wants to kill her too. He's actually relieved it's over, he tells her, and tells her that it was all self-defence and explains that uh, his entire family was uh, was threatened by Rick and that's yeah, why he had he to was kill him. Kill, he was going to kill Sarah and Harry as well. Right. He had to protect his family. He saw no other way out of it. And it still gives him nightmares. 
Laura understands that he was thinking of his family, but that's what she's got to do now, and it means going to the police so that he can be declared dead and so that she can get some money. And also, for Pete's sake, Rick had already dug a grave for Gary. Yeah. And was running through the forest trying to attack him. Waving a with shovel. A shovel. About, right? So <laughs> it really was very much self defense. Oh, it was, yeah. Gary nods. He would have kept his promise to look after Kelly, he says, which I thought was really moving as well. Mm-hmm. Laura wishes it could have been different. Gary explains that the body will be unearthed soon because it's at the brickworks where the where the county training ground is going to be. Mm-hmm. And he asks that Laura waits until he gets a chance to warn Maria because she had nothing to do with any of this. So meanwhile, Kelly and Simon are chatting in the community garden, Kelly explaining how tough everything is, but how great Gary and Maria have been and how much hope they have given her and how close she's feeling to Laura, Laura right now. And of course, all of this is overheard by Laura. Simon is still desperate for his hole. Yes, I was going to say, Simon still thinks there's a chance. Right. You're telling me there's a chance. In the bistro, Gary tells Maria everything that's happened. You've confessed after all this time, says Maria and the audience. The game's up. The body will be discovered. And then Kelly turns up and tells him that our Homeless Barber Award nomination interview panel thing went well and she insists that they all go back to the flat to tell Laura. So sadly, Gary and Maria agree. But on their way to the flat, they see a cop car with flashing lights outside and then the cops lead Laura out of the flats in handcuffs. She's confessed to the murder of Rick the Chin, says a helpful policeman. No bastard copper's going to take me alive, shouts Laura, and in tears, she's loaded into the cop car while Kelly breaks down and Gary and Maria say, what the actual fuck? And that is how we end this week's episodes. Yeah, she's like, I'm sorry, I had to do it. Which is believable that Rick would have, you know, tried to kill her too. Mm -hmm. This is the thing. Rick the Chin was not a good guy. No. He was a good villain, though. He was a good villain. But, you know, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit when when uh, Laura was, you know, in tears about him being dead. Yeah, and... I thought so a little bit, too. But they were still married. Right. Yeah. And despite the fact that she probably hated them right. quite a lot at the time, there was part of her, I think, that still, still loved, loved him. Still loved him. Yeah. yeah. So I, I could see, and I, and I liked the fact that she wasn't completely broken down. She was just, just like the tears mm-hmm. kind of uh, slipped down her face. But right. <clears throat> I thought, again, I I really didn't see that coming until like a second before it uh-huh. happened. It's like, oh, Laura's going to admit this after, this, mm-hmm. after hearing what uh, Kelly had to say to Simon. Mm-hmm. What a perfect way to, to do that, I thought. Right. I thought it was great. Yeah, I kind of had it spoiled for me. Oh, you did? But, yeah, because the show The show spoiled it, it immediately afterwards. Right, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but but even so, I was kind of like, oh, this is, this is an interesting turn of events. I mean, again, it's a woman taking the fall for a man, but... Now we know why Laura's got stomach cancer. <laughs> it's, it's all been... Right. So she can take... The blame and then die. A a terminally ill woman is going to go to jail for this? Probably not. By the time it it gets round to to the trial, she'll probably be dead. Right. Yeah, exactly. So what a neat way to get Gary (laughs) off the the street. I'm surprised, though, that Rana doesn't get a mention at all. Well, Laura wasn't married to Rana. (laughs) Right, but Gary's in full confession mode. Right, he's not going to confess to everything. While I'm at it. (laughs) 
Can I just Laura tell you about this, this roof thing that still hasn't been resolved? So we're resolving half of it. I think the roof stuff is going to be resolved, though. I think it is resolved. I think it's, it's as resolved as it's going to be. Because people are going to be like, wait a second. Oh, excuse me. We blamed Rick the Chid for this whole factory roof collapse thing. Maybe but he still was did No, that was before. Was it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it was Rana first. Then Rick. Anyway. Alphabetically is how they did it. <laughs> and then it was syphilis. <laughs> oh, who could forget? Syphilis, syphilis McGee. <laughs> Everyone's favourite barmaid at the Rovers. Syphilis McGee. So when, uh, when Phil with two L's said, you know, call me uh, Phyllis. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, it's Phyllis with two L's, doesn't it? <laughs> I wish... It's that a shame was, that that's not going to be a thing. That was good. No, I thought it was done really well. It was a little bit of a surprise. It was it was a conclusion to something that it felt almost impossible to conclude without Gary going out the show. And I'm not saying that this is going to be plain sailing from here on in or mm-hmm. this is done that. You know, Kelly's still got to probably find out the truth sooner or later as and well. And have got a funeral coming up after they find the body. Oh yeah. So <laughs> So Rick will get a funeral. Robert <laughs> still stuck in the closet. Yeah, sorry, we're we're going in alphabetical order again. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they do it. Oh dear. Yeah. Poor Zeta. Never gonna get worried. But yeah, I thought they did a well, I think because they've they've managed to construct this relationship between Gary and Maria so well over the past few weeks and months, it actually has some some resonance where you, you want Gary now to get away with it, where you probably didn't think that when he was supposed to be the supervillain. Right, yeah. You were wanting him to get his comeuppance and now you, right. you don't really want him to get his comeuppance. You want him to get a way out of this. Because right. Because now there's no doubt in your mind that it was all just self-defence. right. He didn't want to do any of right. this. We're, we're uh, happily forgetting... The whole Rana thing. We're, we're forgetting that, but we're forgetting how how bad he was when he was the, the loan, loan shark. shark. And then he became good, you know, and gave people back their passports. And right. But he's had this nasty side to him that we're now happy to just bury. Well... In a way, yes. And in a way, he's still a guy who's friends with a guy that will help him hide a body. Right. So, you know, that's... That's true. There's still a part of him that 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 can that can go that route. But, you know, he's... He's a family man now more than he... More than he's ever been for his own biological kids. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> God. And there's a bit that I didn't mention in the in the notes, but when they're sitting in the bistro together and he's telling Maria, Maria's devastated by this. She is. And he's like, I'm so sorry about what what this is going to do. Uh-huh. And and she says to him, All I care about is you and the family. And it's just they really are now fully just this this really great family unit. Right. Together. Absolutely. And I it's thought great. that moment in the bistro and they're in the booth and it's lit really well. It, I've watched Godfather this and week. And it's a corner. And it looked a little, 
a little gangstery sort of thing. And it's a corner of the bistro we don't really get to see people sitting in and talking too. Right. Yeah, fantastic just the way they've done it. I've been complaining for more than a month that the episodes really haven't been delivering for me. It's been a really hard slog since the the whole uh, Daniel not turning Max in and David right. not turning Max in. I would argue about, it, had, it had been kind of meh even before that. Probably, but, but definitely since then it's been kind of hard going. But this week I thought, this it's is why good. you stick with uh, a soap. Because even when it's kind of not really delivering, right. it can still turn out what was a pretty good week, I, th- I felt. Yes, very and much so. Friday in particular, I thought was great. Very good. Because you had this and then you had the Tim's uh, and Sally stuff. Yeah. And yeah. you had the, the little bit of the Cheers stuff going on with, with Adam. Right. The, the, yeah, the only the only eye-rolling thing this week was Adam getting out of the hospital so quickly. Right. No, I, <laughs> and I, I not thought, being damaged more. <laughs> right. And maybe not even having a... Not even having a, a band-aid on his eye after an eye operation. No, right? yeah, there's no stitching, there's no covering. You know, they he should have an have eye pilot. patch. He should be a pirate for he at least a, have, a week. Right? Like a, an eye patch. I think Adam would look pretty good in an eye patch. Yeah, I wish we'd seen that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I thought it was a good week. All in all, I'm really keen to see where where we're going with this. Uh, I'm excited about Monday for the first time in a few weeks. Yeah. To, to see how this story picks up and, and where it goes. And right. it's good that, that... Watch them not do anything with this storyline next week. Gonna, <laughs> horse piss next week. But I think... And I know a lot of people will disagree and will have known... Seen this coming a, a mile away. But I feel like it's good to be surprised by the show mm-hmm. still. And it did that for me this week. And I mean, it's... Again, it was something that was built over a number of weeks very organically where... You know, Laura has changed her mind about about Gary and Maria because they have taken her in and they're taking care of her as well as Kelly. And there's a bond there as well that I don't think it would be as believable that Kelly would take the fall or not Kelly. Laura would take the fall for Gary Mm -hmm. if she hadn't moved in with them a couple of weeks ago. Right. You know, and they hadn't been feeding her soup and getting her pills and not telling Kelly that her mom has a hangover sort of thing. Yeah, they've they've kind of got away with some really dodgy bits of plot because it's paid off so well. Yes. What about Maria being elected to the the council? I'm actually quite happy about that. I'm surprised, but I'm happy as well because it looked like... It looked like on Wednesday, well, that's that done then. Right. That's not going to be a thing anymore. Right. And it gets us away from, oh, what's, what the hell's Maria going to be like on the council? But now it's a thing. Right. <laughs> you know, and I think it, it gives some more depth to that character. You know, she's, she's no longer, oh, Maria, who jumps into bed with pretty much everybody and is flighty. She actually says at one point this she does. week. And she said that a couple of times. Why do people think I'm so thick? Right. And so this is a kind of rehabilitation of that character. Absolutely. And, and she's getting some intellect. Right. Yeah. She's just started in Classic Corey. She's just been in it for a, a couple of weeks in Classic right. Corey. And she's going out with Tyrone. And she and Tyrone 
are just so fucking adorable. Aww. And I thought it at the time, and I still think it, that there's, <laughs> I'd still ashamed that those two kids couldn't have made that work. Yeah. But they changed Maria. And I think they changed Tyrone a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It's, yeah. It's great. I think she and Gary, long may it last. Yes. It's nice when they rehabilitate characters like this in a believable way. Mm-hmm. You know. That's right, because this could be the making of her. Right. Being involved and, in politics. And again, it's something that developed over time because at first she was just really indignant about Liam having asthma and all of the pollution on the streets and everything. Smashing and up the vans. Kind Ugh. of rolled her eyes a little bit at that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then she she started to really investigate it and learn things mm-hmm. and then team up with Sally and then make a decision to not run and let Sally run and then decide to run after all, mm-hmm. you know, and learn things from Sally and accept Sally's help and accept Aggie's help and everything and 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 kind of develop along the way. She's it's it's not like she's they could have very easily made it something like, oh, she just decides to run and she doesn't take it seriously and it's just for a laugh mm-hmm. sort of thing. Borrowing from Cheers again. Right. Sure. And they didn't go that route. And I appreciate that. And yeah. I'm, I'm eager to see what happens with Maria. And the show has, has history of, of hairdressers going on to have career in politics because that was Audrey. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Or, it, it feels like a little hat tip to history there. Yes. We've, gotten, we've gotten quite a lot of hat tips to Audrey. Or no, Deirdre. And Audrey, Audrey and yeah. all the old hats. Although Audrey is still in the show, she's not deceased. But I like the little. Uh, for some reason, this week was the week that I noticed the the photographs in the in the background, and you mm-hmm. see Maria's mum and dad in one of the photos. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. nice seeing them again. Yeah, it's kind of nice to see Ken again this week. Yeah, even though he looked dead on Monday, he, he looked he looks like he's lost a lot of weight. It, it seems like that whole bout with COVID took more out of him than yeah that's bound to isn't but, it? but god bless i'm glad he's still yeah, he's still effort. with us well that was the week that was coronation street then. absolutely what was your moment of the week oh. well, that's a tough tough choice gary confessing to laura because that was a real turning point and the i thought it was really scene, well done yeah the confession scene was done really well uh, there was only one thing that i felt was unbelievable about the the confession scene, there was only one thing that I wish they'd handled a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And that was when Gary essentially tells Laura where the body's buried so mm-hmm. she can tell the police, right. presumably next week. It was a little cack-handed the way that they they handled that. It, was, it, it, wasn't, well, it wasn't within the flow of a conversation. It was, oh, here's another thing that you might need to know. Well, you know, because she, she's like, well, you might as well go tell, because she's going to the police no matter what. You know, and he's like, okay, that's fine. And she's like, well, why would that be fine with you? And because it it was, I was planning on turning myself in anyway, because the body's going to be uncovered. Yeah. And I didn't feel that that was believable the way that that came out. But I was was fine with it. That was my only complaint Mm -hmm. of that. I thought they'd done that scene really well. Laura's uh, anger developed very quickly Mm -hmm. and believably into sympathy and understanding. And it felt completely in line with how that conversation should have worked because Laura's seen some things right you know and the two of them have seen some things so the way that they reacted there I thought was yeah 
I'm with that. Mm-hmm. The confession scene is our... I've fallen, <laughs> and I can't get up. We're sending help immediately, Mrs. Fletcher. I didn't know that that was still there. <laughs> I was going to say, why is it still there? It's our... Moment of the week. week. And our boring moment of the week. This isn't boring, but I just realized we forgot to mention Tracy calling Daniel... Um, <laughs> oh, what does Oscar Wilde want? Oscar Wilde, which was hilarious. That was, that was so funny. And that would be the episode <laughs> title if I hadn't used something that Tracy said the week before. Why would you use something for the week before? Because I used it the week before. Oh. I used something oh, that Tracy okay, said, so yeah, I, I can't use okay. I have internal rules that I have oh, okay. to apply that no one knows about. What was boring this week? Uh, is it... Is it is it Kirk again? I think it is. <laughs> I hate to do this because he's such a delightful human being as a person outside of being but Kirk. What they did with him this week was they got him in a bee costume. <laughs> and it's not even the same bee costume he used to wear. Because didn't the other one have like a head? But they had this uh, heavy little scene where Maria is confronting Bernard Thick Glasses with a portfolio mm-hmm. and speaking to Chris and Chris is challenging Bernard and Bernard's standing up and storming off and all the while Kirk's <laughs> standing in the background wearing his bee costume. Same. I was like, why are you even there, Kirk? So he could say the the bee green, sea red line. <sighs> yeah, that's Kirk and it's our born, born moment of the week. Yeah. Boring moment of the week. Anyway, you've got a Wisconsin to get to today. So shall we wrap this one up? Yes, please. If you've ever worn a bee costume in a bistro and had no lines, really of note, <laughs> then write in to tell us about it. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and hell on a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of vogel.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week with episode 200 what? of The, the Talk, Talk of the, of the Street, street. Bye. Bye.